0: Social life, it's the Tarrant Show. The Terran Show. Don't ask if he's single, you already know, cause it's the Terran Show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Tarrant Show. Hello everyone and welcome to The Tarrant Show. I have a great, great episode for you today. I say that every day, and you know why? It's because every day I'm talking to another great person. And today I have the wonderful, uh, this this wonderful guy. He's been on many updates, many live feed updates with me. Uh, I, I am not afraid to say he's my most reliable live feed updater. Uh, it's Puya. How you doing, Puya?
1: I'm good, man. Always loving getting the compliments from you. I appreciate it. And it, I'm not going to lie to you. It's kind of weird talking to you and not having anything to update people on as far as feeds go. <laughs> it's a very weird situation yeah. we're in. Uh,
0: you know, well, this is – think of this like a live feed update for your life, Booyah.
1: Ah, okay. Now, now I get it. I can tell you if I'm playing the game well or not. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. Game of Life.
0: Um, <laughs> so, uh, Puya, you are just a, a a big brother fan. You um, you took uh, part in the So You Think You Can podcast competition. Um, you, uh, I, I believe, you were on Alex's team with Adam. Um, yes. And uh, a long time RJP fan.
1: Yeah, so RHAP is something that came into my life around 2014, 2015. Um, I was at this point, I was already in Canada. Uh, we will get to my humble beginnings, as they call them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, RHAP happened around 2014, 2015. Um, tail end of Survivor Kaguyan, I started listening to coverage. And then my, um, at the time, my roommates mo- went home for the holidays for the summer. And I was the only one whose family didn't live in Canada. And I wasn't scheduled to go back home until um June. And this was like early May. So I fell into a hole of just playing Xbox and listening to podcasts. I binged hours on hours worth of podcasts to the point where, because like all my friends had gone. So the only voices I were hearing was Rob and guest, Rob and guest here. So I took a lot of podcasting in then, and I've just not looked back since. Uh, Became a patron, tail end of 2015, and it's been a great experience since.
0: Yeah, I I had that experience. When I was in college, um, I was still kind of a a fledgling podcast listener, um, mostly listening to the Rooster Teeth podcast and RHAP And uh, I was, you know, in, in the quest for finding more time to listen to podcasts, I would just listen as I played video games. Uh, and that was that was the, the way to go. And I, to this day, I no longer ever play any video games like with the volume on. I'm just like, no, I'm now I'm like yeah. watching shows while I play video games. Uh, I can't like even listening to music is too little stimulation outside of the video game.
1: Yeah, no. For me, video games and honestly, any errands ever. I do mm-hmm. not leave the house without a pair of headphones, and I listen to only podcasts. Music happens every now and then. You know, the gym sometimes music's what ends up coming on, or every now and then I need to like psych myself up for work because I'm not feeling it. I'll listen to it on the five minute walk to my work. Otherwise, it's just podcasting, man. Lots and lots of hours of podcasting, and it's yeah. Are, are you, are you like me? All- yeah, are,
0: are you like me in the uh, in the sense that you? Are always listening to something like like yes. as soon as I wake up I turn on the podcast that I fell asleep to the night before find my place um, then I turn on my music in order to check the feeds or whatever else I'm doing in the morning sometimes I read um, and then uh, you know then I you know either music or podcasts as I do things depending on how much attention I need to pay to them uh, there's just, there's always some kind of noise
1: yeah no I'm, I'm very much the same way I pretty much have headphones in my ear 24 7 when I'm awake Um, to my dad's chagrin, who was since a young age, been telling me that there's electromagnetics in your ear. You should remove those. You shouldn't listen to headphones that often. Use loud. I'm like, no, I, even when I'm home alone, I don't blare music out. I don't listen to podcasts out loud. I use, I prefer headphones. I prefer just be in my ear. And that's how it's always been. And, um, I can't think of the, okay, actually I can because it was a week ago I had to go get my photo ID renewed because I've moved. Um, So I had to update the address so I go there I get everything done Um, as I'm about to leave my phone dies and I'm like fuck I have two podcasts that I was banking on because I'm walking home it's like a 45 minute walk now I don't have anything and it was the weirdest walk of my existence I just couldn't (laughs) I didn't know what to do with myself it was awful
0: yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird because, you know, when I was a kid, I, I was just like in my imagination just ran wild. I was just hmm. like I created worlds in my head that I that would occupy myself uh, while I walked for 45 minutes. But now it I mean, I, I guess I could do that, but it seems way more boring than listening to a podcast. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's still doable. I, I mean, I'm standing here, you know, survived healthy, happy, everything's good, but it's just, it's just not the same. I need that extra bit. I feel like it's that multitasking gene where it's mm-hmm. like, even if I'm walking, at least I'm taking something in and it doesn't feel like the walk is all for nothing. I'm exactly. getting something out
0: it, of it. Yeah, like, like you're progressing some, somewhere, mm. some, in some way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's all, you always want to progress. Um, and exactly. I, I'm, I'm sure there are, There are some people listening to this right now that are like these young, crazy people who can't spend a second alone with their own thoughts. It's like, look, (laughs) I can spend a second alone with my own thoughts whenever I want. Uh, You know, if I if I decide to do that later in life, I can do that if I want to. Um, But right now, like what I can't do is go back and listen to all the podcasts I failed to listen to or read all of the books that I failed to read. So uh, I'm I'm packing it as much as I can.
1: Yeah, with FOMO being a big part of our generation, I'm not about to miss out on some podcast just because <laughs> my psyche needs evaluation, self evaluation. I'm very okay with hitting the pause button and then doing all of that in the fifteen twenty minutes before I'm about to fall asleep. Like I'm oh, very that's, content with
0: th- that. That's the worst time. That's the worst <laughs> time to do life contemplation. That's that's how insomnia happens.
1: <laughs> Oh, as someone who's worked nights for way too long in his life, I can tell you one or two things about insomnia. Definitely
0: <laughs> sounds good. Let me write that down. <laughs> Ask about <laughs> insomnia. All right. Um. So, uh, uh, tell tell me tell me about your origin story, uh, Puya. How how did you come to be?
1: All right. So. Now, this is a story all about how, and I'm not going to fresh prince it. Um, I was born and raised in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, uh, in the Middle East. Um, that is where I was raised up until 19, age 19. Um, both my parents are Iranian by nationality. And one quick fun fact for you guys is that, um, when you are born in Dubai or when you are born in the UAE, you don't get citizenship from the UAE. So by nationality, I'm Iranian. As, my, as were my parents. I've never lived there. I've visited two, three times. Never lived there. But that is the nationality that was given to me. Um, but I was born and raised there. And um, I have, let's see. So quick, quick fun fact. So like my sister, I have a, one sibling, younger sister, three years younger than me. And we uh, grew up, yeah, we grew up in the desert. And I, um, so one of the first couple things I got when I moved to Canada one of the first questions I got hit with was, wow, your English is phenomenal. How did you go about this from Dubai? I'm like, okay. Well, I went to a British school um, when I was younger, you know, kindergarten, grade one. And then my dad said, no, stop. You are Iranian. This is an Iranian household. You need to learn how to read, write, and speak Farsi. So grade one completed English school. My dad decides I'm going to be enrolled into an Iranian school, which is all fine and dandy until we get there and they explain to my dad that, well, your son doesn't know the alphabet or how to write the basics. He needs to do grade one. So I ended up having to do grade one again because my dad thought Farsi needs to be a thing. So well, what's then- so
0: long? <laughs> Why wait until um, you've already gone through grade one?
1: I think he waffled, to be honest. I think he thought – um, oh, we can have him be in an English school, but then he'll still keep all that. He'll take in everything to do with the culture and with the language. And that didn't happen. I watched predominantly English TV, English cartoons. I did not really catch on to the Persian music, Persian movies. That wasn't my thing at all. Um, and it was like, well, the only other place he can learn is at school. So they did that. They moved me there. And, um, those, uh, I was in, iranian school up until grade six and then at that time i had to beg and plea my dad to put me back in english school because i was like listen dad like this is not for me like i did it because i with per, the persian curriculum you get to grade five and that's primary school and um one of the things with dubai is that the schools are gender segregated most of them not all of them anymore um so i was in an all-boys school and then once you finished grade five from grade one to five the primary section for the boys was in the girls' building at the school. So then by grade 6, we got put into the uh, gen pop of men. And when I say men, it's because you come in grade 6 and all these kids are just rough. And it's just a jungle out there. So like, I did that grade. It was fine. I survived. But then I was like, Dad, listen, I kind of want to go back to English school. Because at this point, too, both me and my sister were put into this Iranian school. Um, but... We would So there was this competition amongst all the Iranian schools in Dubai uh once a year, and it was an English competition. And the way it went was they'd give you a, like, a write-it piece in Farsi, you had to translate to English, and then they'd give you an English piece, you had to translate to Farsi. Me and my sister won in our respective gendered categories every year, five years running. And I was like, listen, Dad, like, I don't want to do this anymore. All my friends were watching Persian movies, Persian shows. I'm watching... So um, in Dubai, at the time, we didn't have cable uh, because my dad refused to pay for cable because it was ridiculous to him. So we had free-to-air TV, and then they got a satellite dish, which just gave you, like, 80 Persian channels, which I don't need to tell anybody, 80 Persian channels, and, like, they're mostly political. I'm 12. I don't (laughs) need to listen to this content. It's depressing. Um, So I didn't catch to any of that, but we had this one English-speaking channel. And between the hours of 3 p.m. and 6 p.m., it was just a marathon of English shows. So it would start off with um, uh, Saved by the Bell, Full House, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Clueless, and um, Seinfeld, and Mad About You. And those were like the six shows that were, they put an episode a day, back to back to back. That was my TV time. I would spend those three hours, these are the shows I'm watching, this is what I'm growing up with. And I was just like, I can't talk about these shows with anybody. Like, none of my friends are watching these things. I'm not watching what they're watching. They're not listening to the music I'm listening to. So I was like, I just feel a disconnect. Like, I don't feel like this isn't my scene. I need to change. And my dad was like, okay, okay, we'll enroll you back into English school. I was like, okay, perfect. So then I had to um, take an entrance exam to get put into the school. There was a math exam and an English exam. And now, me being Mr. Cocky, obviously, I've won all these translation awards five years running, and I'm feeling myself. <laughs> um, I walk in, no preparation, no studying. I'm like, I'm going to ace both, and I'm going to be in English school. Uh I passed math with flying colors. I uh, failed English by 2%. I got a 48 on the entrance exam. And they were like, uh, sorry, you didn't pass, so you can't come in. And now... I'm panicking because now I'm like, okay, now I have to take this to my dad. And he's going to be like, well, you tried now go back and enjoy your journey. So then I was like, no, 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 no. Like, can't there be something we can do? There's other schools. Like I can do another entrance exam. So my dad called up the school and they said, okay, he can do a retest at the end of the summer. This was like May. So August, I come back, I'll redo the English exam. We're like, okay. And this summer. So I'm going to pause here and go back to my beginnings with my parents and the dynamics because this plays in so my parents my dad and my mom did not really have a amazing relationship um they separated verbally i would say i was at the age of six or seven my dad moved out my dad moved out got his own place and i would only see him on the weekends um they had harsh words for each other for sure and i've had to you know as like a young and as like an eight-year-old i've watched them fight which is horrible for anyone to see um, but they blew up on each other a lot and my dad moved and he would only visit us on the weekends and he would like take me and my sister out to like an arcade and just throw money at us. So like, we're talking a couple hours of arcade and then like whatever fast food we wanted, which as a kid, I'm like, this is an amazing deal. And then now at the side of an arcade, I'm kind of like, this makes me sad. I don't want to be here. Like mm-hmm. I have, I don't step into arcades anymore. It's not my scene. Um, and then, yeah, so my dad moved out. And so he wasn't there for those formidable years. So, like, when I was in Iranian school, my dad was not around at all. Um, And the reasoning behind this rift between them was mostly because of their families and the dynamics with them. So my dad disliked my mom's siblings, like my aunts and uncles. They had beef from before I was born And I, and the reason I'm explaining it very vaguely is because honest to God, standing here in front of you as a 26 year old, I still don't know what the hell went down with them because all I got was little whispers from my mom and little whispers from my dad. I do not know who was the enemy. I do not know who was the, uh, the right one, who was the wrong one, but my dad was, is a very stubborn man that I can tell you for sure. So he just sank his feet in and said, I'm not going to deal with them. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm leaving. So he leaves. Um, but then his thing was, I don't want the kids around your family. I don't want them to see this aunt, this uncle, this person. They've been bad to me. I don't want them around my kids. I don't want them poisoning my kids. And then on the flip side, my mom takes this all in. But also, my mom is now the primary person in our lives. And she's doing everything she can for us. And um, financially, my dad's got us covered. But he has... Now moved himself to the point where he doesn't really know who we're becoming. I know he's seeing us on the weekends, but it's not like he's seeing us grow. He's really, we're going from like place to place, just to minimal conversation. And we're like playing games. That's not really learning much. Um, so our mom really took an initiative and from an early age, she, she groomed me. Like I am the person I am because of her and I love her to death. Um, and I've watched her go through a lot of hardships. Um, we didn't have a car until I was about 15 or my dad did my mom didn't so my mom got me into swimming and for my swimming lessons we had to hail cabs back and forth um and these uh swimming lessons were like for way further away than when I lived but we made the trips and she made sure that I had a, as full of an experience as possible um and so the thing with my mom's family is they all lived in they all moved to Sweden so after the um Iranian Islamic revolution happened obviously not everyone was okay with this decision to go that way and my mom's family was one of those families so they all uh, immigrated to Sweden my mom was the only one amongst them who didn't and that was because her and my dad were getting serious and they opted to move to Dubai instead so everyone makes their way to Europe my mom stays right here and then so Obviously, getting to visit Sweden was nothing we could do often because my dad was not okay with that at all. So now to bring it back. So I turned about 13 and my dad decides, oh, I'm going to move back in. I'm going to move back in. And now we're going to live as a happy family, which honestly, the thing is, at that point, my mom and dad were fine with each other. They never had problems with each other per se. It was just this family drama that my dad like decided was too big to deal with. So he moves in and now it's a weird situation, weird dynamic because we've got, it was a two bedroom house that we converted into four bedrooms. Um, just on account of my parents obviously not going to be sleeping in the same room. So they've got their own rooms. I've got my own room. My sister's got her own room and we're kind of making it work. Everything's good. But then every summer there was this like air in the air, uh, like in the house because my mom wants us to go to Sweden. At this point, me and my sister want to go to Sweden because We've gotten to know the family. They are way more open-minded than what we're dealing with in the Middle East. I want to experience that. I want to see them. You know, these are all these cousins that I'm on phone calls with. And they're like, oh, so how are you? I'm like, I don't know if I want to talk to you. I don't know you. Like, I don't really know you at all. I want to see you first kind of thing. So that summer, I failed this entrance exam. And finally, my dad has given us his uh, blessings for us to go to Sweden. And It's exciting. We're going to Europe. At this point in my life, I had only traveled to Iran twice and never anywhere else. So this was exciting for me. So we go to Sweden and my dad made me take a book with me to study English while I was there to like prime myself up for this retest. I did not study at all. I was too busy soaking it all up because my mom, so my mom, my, my aunt and uncles on that side, there's seven of them total counting my mom in as well. So that's eight. And everyone's got three Plus children slash my cousins, my mom being the smallest one, which is me and my sister. So I'm meeting all these people for the first time and it's a great time. And I just don't bother. It's the summer. I'm what? 12, 13. I'm not about to study my days away, especially with no supervision. Like you, you're losing this battle. Like I am not going to do that. So anyways, fast forward, I come back home. Uh, it was a fun summer. And then my dad's like, all right, are you ready for this test? It's in four days. I'm like, uh, no. So, my dad, um, backstory on him now real quick. So my dad finished his PhD. Um, he did his master's in Iran and then for his PhD, him and his youngest brother moved to the States back in the seventies. Uh, he went to Oklahoma state, finished his PhD there. So, and it was an economics, I want to say, but my dad's English broke down since then because he moved back and he didn't really use it. So now my dad's trying to teach me English and I'm walking this tightrope of, I know I know more than him, but I'm not about to insult my father. So I'm going to sit here and pretend I'm learning things. And it was this outdated book from the 80s. Some, like, story of Mr. Priestley and his class of, like, eight students. And the exercises were, like, centered around this group. So we're doing some grammar exercises and all that. Four days go by. I go to do this retest. It's the exact same test I took three months ago. So I'm sitting there thinking... Literally, I'm doing the same test. All I need is 2% and I'm in. So I redo the test. Now I'm confident again. That translation kid's back and I'm cocky. I do this test. I go home like it's an 80. It's done. I'm in English school. Uh, we get the call. I got a 55, but I passed. So I'm going to English <laughs> school and life is good. I am now happy. Finally, I get to meet my people. And that was a great feeling for me. It was an accomplishment.
0: So tell me, tell me more about the, the sort of the move to Sweden and the cultural aspects of like why that was happening. And uh, it seems like there was a sort of pull between um, the, uh, the, the more English culture versus um, the, the culture that you were growing up with surrounding it.
1: Right. So the reason I was fascinated, and it's because like, I feel like from such a young age, again, I'm watching predominantly Western media tv shows cartoons movies and just based on that i'm forming my own idea of what that culture is like what that lifestyle is and i'm also on another hand watching the middle east and watching my dad and the values he wants to bring in from iran and my mom was kind of in the middle where like my mom understands the appeal of that side and also understands why my dad is trying to like force us to be a little bit more conservative but she also, like, her family is, you know, having the time of their lives in Sweden. So she also knows why we want that. I just, from very early on, I just believed in that ideology more. And I'm not here trying to generalize anything, obviously. But just from what I'm exposed to, so I'm explaining it to you. I'm in an all-boys school, my sister's in an all-girls school. Um, I did not talk to female outside of my, like circle of family slash family friends until about grade 10. So it was just some things I thought were wrong with that because I felt like I'm being primed to eventually break out and do my own thing, move into a whole other world where I don't feel like I've been socialized to the point that I'm ready for the life that's coming to me. I feel like I'm being put in this box and I'm not being allowed to expand ideas. I'm not being allowed to express thought. I'm not being allowed to grow the way I see fit. Um, I'm kind of being just forced to just stay on this path and do that thing. And I think that was another reason why I did not want to stay in Iranian school. Because that's the path I saw coming my way. Because that is obviously a culture and a path my dad was way more well-versed in. So I knew he would control it. He would be like, okay, so like, I know that this university in like Tehran would be good for you. If you want to study business, you should go here. Whereas I knew for a fact at age 13, playing the social game that my dad has no idea what's going on over the, here on this side. Like my dad's already disconnected from the TV movies I'm watching. He'll be even more disconnected on this side and it'll force him to let me make my decisions. So I just wanted that. And then obviously I go to Sweden and just there wasn't really a culture shock because I'm kind of going in prepared knowing what to expect. It was just more of a reiteration of what I am seeing or what I had weaved into this idea was real and it exists. I'm watching people be allowed to do what they want. I'm watching people be given responsibility over themselves and not being sheltered or forced down a specific path. And I'm saying all this as the eldest uh, child in this family as the male child in this family. So you can only imagine what my poor sister, who's three years younger than me, has to deal with my dad, who is just trying to be super conservative and is not letting her be her own person even more than myself. Because what I'm like age 11 and my dad's sitting, sitting me at the in the living room and being like, so you are the man of the house. And I'm like, the hell does that mean I am 11? Like, I'm about to get my Pokemon (laughs) red on. Like, don't tell me I'm the man (laughs) of the house. This is ridiculous. And, oh, you have to take care of your mom when I'm not around. You got to take care of your sister. I'm like, again, I am 11. I am not trained in any way to deal with this. But that is kind of the mentality I was growing up around, where I'm being told that I am the man of the house and I am important and I should be doing ABCD and then I'm on the flip side, I'm watching my mother single-handedly like, mold me into this amazing person, mold my sister into this amazing person, and you're making it sound like she can't handle it, and I'm supposed to handle it. And I found that to be very insulting, quite frankly. And I don't know if I'll say that to my dad's face probably ever, um, if you're listening to this dad, uh, gotcha. <laughs> um, he's not going to be listening to this. He does not listen to podcasts. Um, so i just did not like that part and like that's one of the things taryn Where like that part of the culture more so than anything bothered me more because so i mentioned i grew up around family and family friends predominantly outside of my you know school friends that i only hung out with at school because like the thing with dubai is that it's a small city but it's also like separated a lot we're like we're all going to this one school but it's not like a oh, you all live in this neighborhood, so this is your school. Like, my school was 50 minutes away from me, and it was, like, three minutes away for some people. There were school buses that would take you back and forth, so I wasn't really like, oh, I can just go to my friend's place. It was like, if I was to see them, it'd be, like, one day on a weekend, maybe. So, I would be hanging out with family friends, and, like, my mom's friends, and their kids, subsequently, who, like, my mom had a couple of friends who we were all in the same age range. I was the only boy in this age range, but I feel like I'm sitting there and I'm watching all these women around me just do amazing things, go out like to the furthest way for their kids, do all these amazing things. And then I'm going to school on a sun, uh not a Sunday, sorry, on a Monday. And I'm being fed this like man of the house narrative, alpha male narrative, which, you know, it's all well and good to be alpha and, you know, to be confident in your own, but the fact that this gender role was being placed on me, I did not like. And the fact that it was diminishing the roles that I was seeing my mom do better than any man in the world was not sitting well with me. And I'm like, again, I'm 13, I'm 12. Like, I shouldn't be being told that I am this important in this kind of like division. I thought it was ridiculous. So again, go to Sweden and I'm watching. So uh, with my cousins in Sweden, me and my sister are the youngest of 19 cousins. So there's like 17 other cousins, and the age range goes from like I was 13 at the time. The eldest cousin was like 34. So they've they've seen some things, they've lived some things, and I'm just watching everyone carry their own weight. You know, it's a, and like another narrative, and I know this is with a lot of cultures, specifically with the Persian. Like my dad, up until I want to say grade 10, had this mentality that oh, Puya, yeah, Puya's gonna become a lawyer or some kind of engineer somewhere. Or like some kind of high end, like medical position, like businessman, like self-made. I don't know what he wanted, but I could tell that's what he wanted to slide me into. And I go to Sweden and, you know, I've got an uncle who's driving a bus. I've got one of my cousins who just works at a um, daycare. And like, I've got another one who's working at a retirement home and like, they're just regular everyday jobs, but I'm seeing how happy it makes them. And this is the start of where I feel like my mentality changed in life, where I was like, I don't know if a career is what I'm looking at specifically. I think what I want is that. I want to be happy. I want to come home. I want to be surrounded by people I enjoy. I want to be in contact with them. And I want to just make memories and have fun. Make memories and have fun. Like memories is what I want. I want to be able to look back in 60 years and be like, That was a great time. That was a great time. The thing happened two weeks ago was a great time. The thing that happened 15 years ago was a great time. I want to be able to have memories from all over my age span that I deem amazing. And I don't think getting a specific job is going to give me that kind of happiness. And then I kind of reverted back to like, nah, I'm just being hippie. And then, no, I want this (sighs) specific career. But then again, once I moved here, I feel like I kind of went back to that mentality of I just want to be happy. Like, the no matter what makes constitutes happiness but that's what i'm chasing
0: yeah um what what was the response when you gave any kind of pushback toward that sort of you know man of the house culture that was was so stifling
1: um it was rough because it it's one of those things especially i mentioned at the top of the show my dad is a very stubborn man so both my parents were older when they had us um i believe my dad is now 70 Uh, My mom is 10 years younger than him. So my mom's like 60. So my dad is not only stubborn, but he's kind of outdated um, in his opinions. And he just does not waver. I feel like since we've moved, he's kind of started adapting, which is amazing to me. But it was just one of those things where I couldn't say anything to him without receiving more pushback or more phrasing that would piss me off. And I was like, okay, okay. I don't want to get angry at my dad. Therefore, maybe I just don't talk to him because it's like talking to a brick wall. Um, So then all I could really do was make sure that there is no friction in the house as almost the peacekeeper, because I'm hearing this narrative being given to me. I am now understanding how he's viewing my mom and my sister, and I'm actively disagreeing with this. And I see what my mom is telling me and how she's teaching me to be. And then amongst all this, I'm being protective of my little sister, who I know is having a harder, is going to have a harder time than I ever have. And just kind of juggling these three, four things. And again, as I mentioned, my mom's whispering things to me. My dad's whispering things to me. And because I'm the eldest, I've been deemed capable of dealing with all this emotional baggage from both ends. So it was very hard not to explode at any point. But obviously at this point, I've convinced myself I'm like the central piece here I need to be able to keep calm and just ride it out and just ride it out. And at that point, kind of realize, you know, ride this out all the way until I move for university. And like, that's where I'll be able to realistically do me. Because once my dad moved back in, because he had missed out on like age six to age 13, about seven years worth He comes back and he's babying us like we're still like he's picking up where he left off, where I'm still seven to him. But it's like, guy, I'm 13. So um (laughs) so like we'll move on a little bit. So like grade eight, grade nine happens. And like he's been living with us now. And this is around the age where now I'm no longer really hanging out with the family friends. I've kind of like now I'm I'm a bore. I'm a bore. I was a little bore and I'm a bore. So as a bore, I want to do my own thing. So I started hanging out with my friends from school and try and plan things. Okay. Like you guys want to go here? You want to go there? Okay, cool. Let me ask my dad. And this is where I started realizing more and more. My dad still thinks some things differently. So there was this one place that was like, it had an arcade and everything, but also had like air hockey and it had a pool table. And we love playing billiards. That was kind of our thing back in the middle, middle school days. So like, dad, can I like, can I go shoot some pool with my friends? Like at this place. And he's like, shoot pool? No, like, that is not a good, that's where gangs go. I'm like, dad, this isn't the 70s. We're not going into a pool bar where there's smoke in the air and, like, people are doing blow in the back like seats somewhere, like, calm down. Um, But then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to tell them we're shooting pool anymore. It's like, all right, so we're going to go to my friend's place. And, like, that was code. I was always at my friend's place. It was like, how fun do you think this guy's, like, two-bedroom apartment is, dad? Like, we're not at my friend's place. But, that's when I kind of broke away and started doing my own thing. But that's also when my dad started trying to like pull me back in. Like now the, now the um, struggle for power over me is starting to happen. Cause up until this point, he'll give me the narrative and I'm stomaching it. And I'm like, okay, cool. But now I'm not allowed to go to certain places. Um, I have like a 9 PM curfew, whereas my friends are like, can be out till 11. And like these curfews were kind of getting more and more ridiculous. Like Taryn, just real quick into the future. I go back home after being in university for a year. So at what? Age 20. I go back home and I'm planning all these meetups with my friends and everything. My dad's like, all right, so you'll be home by 1130, right? I'm like, uh, fuck, uh, no. And he's like, no, you will be home 1130. This is still my house. I'm like, okay, okay, shh, damn. Okay, cool. I'll be home at 1130. I'm 20. I have a full beard and... I'm, like, just shocked by this kind of reaction. I'm like, okay. And, like, his reasoning, always the same. Like, there are, like, some weird people out at night. Like, you don't want to be in danger. You'll get in trouble. There's, like, gangs. And, like, my dad's admiration for these gangs that did not exist was amazing. (laughs) All these gangs hanging out at these, like, arcades and out and about at 12 at night. It's like, come on. Like, we don't live in the Bronx. Like, we are okay here. Ugh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, so the struggle started happening there for me. Um and around grade nine, so we start doing these school trips. And the school trips were kind of a fun place for me because like they're happening during the day, so obviously it's a freebie at school. That's always great. As a young and that's what you want. Um and they were always a fun time to hang out with these friends that I otherwise weren't wasn't really able to hang out with because of my curfews and my limitations. So I remember we had this one school trip to, uh, go to this, um, uh, what's it called? One of these water parks with all the slides and the lazy river, you know, all that good stuff. And I was a confident kid. I've always been a confident kid. I know myself. I know my self worth. I'm always good. And like, if anything, let that translation cockiness carry over to English school. I'm feeling good. So we go and, you know, I'm a bigger kid. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of a healthy kid. And um, so we go, everyone like changes, gets ready. I take my shirt off, head out, get onto the first water slide. My friends are waiting down there for me. I get down, I get out and everyone's laughing at me. And I kind of hit the shock of like, well, why am I being laughed at? Um, and then they're like, man, you're like, man, boobs are all different sizes. I'm like, what, what are they talking about? So anyways, I kind of don't let that bother me. At, on the surface, but then in, deep inside, I'm like, man, I just want to put my shirt on and go home. Like, this is not fun. It's like minute one of this trip. So we get home and I talk to my mom and I'm like, mom, this happened. And I'm not okay with it. Like, are my, is like, is this a thing? What's going on? So my mom's like, no, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. It's not a thing. Cause like, at this point I mentioned, like I've done swimming lessons. Like I've been with my shirt off multiple times, like doing these things. No one's ever had that reaction before. And like, now I become insecure. And this is like the first year of being at the English school. Now I'm a little insecure at school. And, um, this is where being in middle school and having the name Puya did not help my case. Cause kids are cruel. <laughs> um, the name Puya in an English and look in, the, in the Iranian school, it's fine. You know, it's Puya is translated to the explorer. It's a wonderful name. They don't really have a joke to make. Walk into English school and all of a sudden it's like, wait. If we put a line in the middle of his name, his first bit is poo. We can run with this gang. So, poo- <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Puya, Winnie the Pou-ya, uh excrement, yes, which was a ridiculous name. Like, just reaches, but, like, you know, kids throw sticks and stones, they hurt. Um, but, like, and I didn't care up until that point. Now it's, like, my shield was down, and I was just taking all these insults. And I'm, like, starting to feel insecure, confidence levels going down. And this happened for, like, a year, year and a half. I was kind of, like, not okay uh, with that, kind of dealing with that. And, like, this is where, like, my angst, my teenage angst was just inflamed. I come out of this angry. So I'm angry at school. I come home. And now my dad's like, so, yeah, your mom's family back in, like, 95. And I'm like, leave me alone. Like, just let me be in my room. Um. So this, like, that year and a half was kind of rough in its own right for that reason. And, like, now I'm not allowed to go out or whatever. So, anyways, we get closer to, like, grade 10. And I tell my mom I'm like, Mom, I want to get this thing checked out because at this point I've noticed it because I now it's in my psyche. So like, I'll notice it, and like, so the condition is called gynecomastia, and it's a um, situation where the breast tissue in the male is enlarged, and it's got to do with like hormone levels being off. And so I go get the checkup, and the you know the specialist looks at it, she's like, okay, yeah, so like the left breast is a little bit bigger, the areola is bigger on this side. So she does an examination. She's like, okay. So you can go on like a strict diet, exercise, and this should solve itself. Um, with most cases, it'll solve itself off within like six, seven months. So go on this like specific regimen for six months, come back, you're okay. So this is great tent at this point. And this is now the second trip we're taking to Sweden. And I thought, perfect. The weather, because like, if there's one thing I can tell anybody who's thinking of visiting Dubai, beautiful city. Anyone who's watched The Amazing Race, you've probably seen it there. If you've been on YouTube, you'll see the ads show up every now and then. Beautiful place. Amazing for a vacation. Don't do it in the summer because it's like 40 degrees Celsius. It's humid. It's hot. Like, if I was to leave my apartment there, go downstairs to hail a cab, I've sweated that T-shirt. That T-shirt is no good anymore. I've expired already. Um, so PSA, don't go in the summer. Go any other time. It's fun. So we get to go to Sweden this summer of, uh I want to say it was 2008, and I'm excited because I'm like, okay, the weather's great there. My cousins are active. They have um, a weekly football game, like a soccer game they're playing. I can go there, do things on the side while they're doing soccer. I can go for runs in the morning. I know I'll be eating healthy because it's all home-cooked meals all the time. So I was like, this is it. This is where I'll get rid of this problem. I'm going to jump back in. I'm going to be me. It's going to be great. So I lose a bunch of weight on this trip. There's like three months go by. I've like lost a bunch of weight, but my chest has not changed. So now it's a little bit more obvious than it used to be because I still have the big chest. I have no ways to cover it at all. So now it's worse in a way. So we go back and I'm like, okay, we go to the doctor and she checks up. She's like, okay, so that didn't work. Um, the only way to do this now is through cosmetic surgery. It'll be like a liposuction we will slice into the sides. We'll move out the fatty tissue and it should be okay. We have to restitch and then stitch up the areola. Then we have to, in a couple of years, like do a rechange on the areolas to make them look normal. And I'm taking all this as a grade 10 student. And now it's like peak. Cause I come home and my mom's like, well, do you want to do this? Like, will you be happy? And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, like, I want to do this, but why me? You know, like, now I'm thinking, like, why did this have to happen to me? Like, I was fine. Like, everything was okay. And, like, I'm kind of, like, just digging a hole for myself, making myself feel worse about it. Um, but I'm like, no, we're definitely doing this. And then they're like, okay, we'll schedule it for next summer. You'll be fine. It'll be good. And then grade 10 happens. And grade 10, I walk into school thinking, enough enough is enough like I shouldn't be down on myself I had a great time in Sweden I met some great people like my I have a second cousin who's like so second cousin would be yeah she's the daughter of my cousin and for some reason the, the big age gap this cousin and my mom had a kid at the same time so like my second cousin's my age so I hung out with her and her friends for a while and like I kind of feel like I got boosted back up you know There wasn't a language barrier because everyone speaks English in Sweden. But like, I felt a confidence come back in me. I'm funny to them. We're having these talks. And from like early on, I'm the type, like I've mentioned with my parents whispering in my ear, I'm the friend you talk to. I'm the friend you open up to. I'm like the Terran show of my friend group at that point. (laughs) So everyone's talking to me and I'm giving them advice and I'm just getting this like connection with everyone and I'm feeling good again. So I walk in grade 10, confidence to the nines, knowing that this chess problem is temporary now and it'll go away and it's all good. And this was the year I truly feel like I broke out in every aspect possible. Socially with my friends, it was good. Yes, the jokes were happening. But at this point, I had learned that once you become the person everyone's shitting on, like with jokes, you also become and you're taking it well you are now their confidant now because you're not feeling negative about it they're coming to you and they're trying to talk to you so i kind of let that happen so like someone will be like hey, this that and i would just you know bring it bring it you know like you need it's like i'm the backboard like you need to throw it on and then dunk bring it i'll, I'll assist you you know and then they do all that and then you know break happens and like two the other two dickheads walk away and this one comes up and he's like so yeah, man, there's this girl and like, I don't really know how to approach her. I'm like, okay, listen, guy who's just been dissing you for 20 minutes. This is what you do. And <laughs> I'm giving him advice. So I gained a lot of like respect from my peers at that point, just because I had seen other people get ve- either very upset when they were being insulted. So people would back off or they would get super defensive. And then there was just friction. I was like, okay, there's this perfect sweet spot in the middle where I now understand that people say things to say things you know some people want the attention some people want to get a rise out of you some people do it because it's their coping mechanism and i'm like you know what i'm very okay being the um being the guy that's getting kicked around because now it no longer affects me now it's helping some of these people understand themselves and in the long run they will learn they made a mistake or they'll feel some type of way they'll grow it's all good what i can do is just not let it affect me and that is the only issue that should matter to me so grade 10 happens all these friend groups are coming in together it's great i've met this girl she's great i'm feeling good i'm amazing you know cockiness coming back a little bit then i have the surgery and surgery was fine everything went great i wake up the next morning and i'm in the hospital i'm like i feel light this is weird I puked a little because like they told my parents I should stay in the hospital one night and they went home because this was like an hour and a half away and there was nowhere for them to stay. So they went home. Like You're going to be okay? I'm like, yes, I puked. And this like nurse comes in to clean and I'm feeling so appalled. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this to you. And like she's cleaning the puke. I'm seeing. And then they're like, okay, you can like if you need anything to eat, just let us know. I'm like, okay. It was a fun night at the hospital just because I'm ordering whatever I want. It's a good time. So anyways, fast forward. Now I get home and my parents move the TV into my room because I have to be bedridden for like a good two months now, just because I can't really move around a lot, like not bedridden in a sick way. I just can't have physical activity. I'm like bandaged up, so I can't really sweat either. So I just kind of have to like remain neutral for a predominant amount of time. So I use this time to kind of watch any and every TV show that I had wanted to watch, which I couldn't because up until that summer, we did not have internet above dial-up. So my dad had recently updated us to regular broadband DSL. And my sister had done me the deed of illegally, might I add, downloading every show I wanted. So I watched prison break. I watched lost. I watched time at your mother. I watched whose line is that anyway, top to bottom in those two months. And that was a fun time. What wasn't fun was every two, three days I had to go to this um uh the clinic for the doctor and I had to get my stitches pulled out and redone and that was an awful feeling to deal with. But all of that happened and I forget how we got here, but I'm gonna pause for a hot sec.
0: <laughs> okay, Pooya. I have to I have to interrupt this podcast for uh an emergency sponsored announcement. Ooh. Uh, yes. Uh, we have a new, a new sponsor here. Uh, they're, they're, they're test, testing us out, seeing, seeing how this goes. Um, Casper has decided to sponsor the Taran show. Uh, what is Casper? Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Man, Puya, I had no idea how relevant this would be with all of this talk of Insomnia.
1: Yeah, no, I think definitely... If you don't want to have insomnia, you want to sleep comfortably. If you want to sleep comfortably, you need a Casper mattress.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, So uh, here's something. Casper was designed by humans for humans. Did you know that?
1: What? Get out of town humans
0: yes i i took no part in the the construction of the casper mattress robots are not involved um it's all it's all about humans i would say that's a little biased against robots but i mean i guess for the 100 percent of my listenership it's probably the best casper products they're, they're cleverly designed to mimic human curves providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies uh you spend a third of your life sleeping so you should want to be comfortable when you're doing that. It has a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Uh this is very important because uh I think temperature is like one of the main things that keeps me from sleeping well is like if it's too hot, you wake up, you're all sweaty, it's gross. Mm. If it's too cold, you wake up, you're freezing. You're like, "Ah, I need I need warmth." you got to be just right, and you gotta, you got to have a mattress that can uh, provide you with that just right experience.
1: Ooh, that sounds good. I feel like I could do with this because I'm the type of guy that's got a blanket, but then he's got one foot hanging off the bed without the blanket on to keep ba- some kind of balance, and that just doesn't seem appropriate. Yes.
0: They also offer affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. They send, they send this mattress directly to your house in a box, and then you open the box, and it just, like— it builds. You just like you cut away the, the packaging and it just like phew, it's a mattress. It's crazy. It's it's honestly it's it's fun just to do that.
1: Yeah. No, it's like a magic trick and a comfortable bet. Who would have thought?
0: One of the things that, that attracted me to Casper is that you have you get hassle free returns. If you don't like the mattress, it's sent to your home. You don't like it you it's delivered right to your door you can just send it right back you you are not committed to this mattresses they're huge they're so they're such a hassle to buy and it's you never know what it's like if you go to a store you're lying in it you're like i think this is comfortable i think this might be good for the night but then once you take it home you're like oh wow i just made a huge mistake uh (laughs) this is terrible casper they send it to you you get to try it uh and then you can just send it back if if you're not happy with it you can try a different kind you can uh get a different one it's uh it's seriously i i very very much recommend this if you're looking for a mattress
1: yeah no it's i think you've sold me on it man i think given all the things you've mentioned just now i might have to not only check but really consider it
0: there you go uh so you get 100 nights risk-free, sleep sleep on it trial. You get 100 nights, 100, that's like a third of a year to decide if you want this thing. And then if you don't, you just send it back for free and, and it's done. Uh, so th- seriously, uh, there's really no risk in giving this a try. So if you want to give Casper a shot, they will give you fifty dollars towards select mattresses when you visit casper.com dot slash Taren and use the promo code Taren at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. Puya, I am expecting you to be on that site as soon as we finish.
1: Um, I'm I already got mine, so let other people know. I'm already <laughs> it's already coming over, man. I'm on this. I'm on top wow, of this. Wow,
0: that's see the. See, Puya knows what I'm talking about. I've, I've tried to explain this to people before. Y- if, if you're hearing this right now, you should, you should be pausing the podcast or continue listening to the podcast. Go to the site, check it out, uh, see how it goes for you. So again, go to casper.com slash Use the promo code Taren at the checkout. And thank you, Casper, for sponsoring the Taren show. I very much appreciate it. And thank you to the listeners for, uh, for giving, giving them a shot, hearing me out. All right. Uh Puya, let's let's get back to the story of Puya. Let's do it. So you mentioned like you you when you when you found this out and you found out about the surgery like that must have been terrifying. Like even you describing that surgery to me, I'm like, "Oh my god, that sounds terrifying." The thought of having to go through with that and then all of the the recovery afterward, not being able to to move much. You know, it must have been a lot to handle, but I think that I think that clearly you were able to wrap your mind around it and I think that part of how you were able to overcome the you know the the stigma and the, the being bullied and that sort of thing was because you uh, you were able to over- overcome something so so grave so so beyond what normal people have to deal with at that time. and there's a there's a confidence and like an aura that comes with that I think that like um, you know people, people gravitate toward and, you know, it, they're asking you advice because you, you have overcome things that they haven't even considered possible. Right.
1: And I think it's because I, so after I get to my mom and I'm like, why me, why did this have to happen to me? I had moments where, you know, where the insomnia kind of kicks in. Cause from grade 10, all the way to close to like two years ago, my sleeping habits were horrible. I would be sleeping like four hours a day. So I'd be awake till like four, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. and I'd sleep for like three hours then my bus would come out to go to school so there was a lot of thinking at the time because there's no dial-up internet for me to escape to um, or escape from so there was a lot of thinking at that time and I started realizing well first of all I'm healthy like this is not a surgery that's life or death this is an optional surgery a lot of people have to have obligatory surgeries for their life I am fine and then started thinking a little bit beyond that of like Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I don't like being insulted. Yes, but then that's where I kind of convinced I was able to get myself out of this hole by just thinking, listen, sit down, Puya, let mine Puya talk to you. I was like, listen, these are hardships, but they will help you in the long run. Because you're going through them now. You don't have to go through them later. You will learn from these things and you will move on. You will learn what to do, what not to do. And I think we will pull this back into big brother at some point, but this, this kind of mentality that I had dealing with all this is why I love big brother, because it's being able to put yourself in scenarios and think about how you're being perceived, what they, what the people saying these things to you are trying to get out of you and how you can combat that, how you can use it to benefit yourself and how you can use it to make yourself grow. So, At one point I had let the wall come down after that water park trip and the bullying was affecting me. Then by like two years, two and a half years later, the wall didn't need to go back up. The wall no longer was necessary. These bullets were flying off of me without a wall. Like I didn't need it anymore. I didn't need a shield. I was just very okay with where I was. I was very okay with who I was becoming and, I had seen the way I made my parents feel um, with them dealing with their daily hardships and me being someone that they could speak with for me just spoke miles as far as because I know most parents will try to hide these things from their kids. And they hid it from my sister, me and my sister, you know, many years removed from all of that um, a couple years ago, having drinks and just I told her everything and her mind was blown. But like at this point, she's like 21. She can handle it. I'm like 16 taking all this in, but we're hiding it from her. So just knowing that I'm starting to have this impact on people where I'm making a change. I'm helping them think I'm helping them kind of get to the places I've been to self-repair and move along. So it didn't matter to me anymore. Bullying was not a thing. Um, If anyone in my school was any one of my class was getting bullied, I stepped up. I wouldn't let that happen. Um, got into a couple fights and scuffles through that nonsense because I put myself in a place I really shouldn't have been, but it was one of those things where it's like enough is enough, man. Like in my school, in my English school, the grade above us and us had this rivalry. Like I know most people like, it's like, oh, this high school has beef with this high school. No, us was all inner nonsense. Like the grade above us really knocked down at a couple kids in my grade And it was kind of like that mentality of like, listen, he's our guy. Like, we can shit on him as much as we want. You don't have that privilege. You don't have to talk to him every day. Like, we will protect him from you guys. So that started being a thing. And it was just this sense of not wanting anyone to feel the way I had felt those two years, not wanting anyone to like diminish their own self worth through these little things that really shouldn't matter, names that don't matter. Titles you're being given that are negative from people that do not matter to you. All that should matter to you is you and how you make you feel and the people you're surrounding you, yourself with being positive, being important for growth, not just yes men, but people who will know to call you on your shit. But at the same time, lift you when you need to be lifted.
0: Yeah. Did, were there any like, examples of you stepping in to like, stop, stop other like, people being
1: bullied? Yeah. So um, the way our school, was, I mentioned, everyone lived in different areas. So whereas like I feel like in a lot of countries, it's like, oh, this area or this neighborhood has this school they go to. For us, it was like this area, this neighborhood has this school bus. So like bus number, I want to say we were like bus number six was my area and it was like we were the same people because we all kind of ended up going to the same school all the way to graduation so it was the same like 20 of us every year plus like one or two new kids uh, introduced on that bus for the year and there were a couple kids from the older grade above me and they kind of ran the bus like the bus was their their turf so if you stepped into their turf you had to abide by their decisions um and that was fine. I didn't care. Again, I'm headphone kid. I get on the bus. My MP3 player gets turned on and none of you matter to me anymore. But there was this one new kid that had come on who through like he caused some drama himself. He would like get involved in these arguments for no reason. But they just started going on this kid a little too much. And like it got to the point where like because these two older kids were making it normal, all these younger kids are doing this to him, too. Like this kid was, I was in grade 10. This kid was in grade nine. The two grade 11 kids are bullying him. And now the grade seven, grade six kids are also taking jabs at this poor guy. So I was like, enough is enough. So I stood my ground. I was like, listen, guys, at this point, like you guys have run away with so much. (laughs) You guys are leaving in a year because in British, uh, the British curriculum, you graduate at 11. I was like, you guys are leaving in a year. You don't have to look back. This guy has two more years here. Don't ruin his experience on your way out the door. Like, does it matter? I'm like, I'm trying to come in from a place of logic, right? And the guy looks at me, he's like, your mom. Or something to that extent where it's like, you are such an idiot, right? Like, I cannot believe I tried to have like a moment with you, you asshat. So something like that happens. And then I was like, all right, man. Like, that wasn't necessary. Sit down. And he didn't. And then... This part of the story that I have not revealed yet, I am senior prefect, I'll have you know, at grade 10. But I'm, like, not stirring things up because I don't want to be that goody-goody. It's like, listen, man, I will report you. Like, I have no shame in letting them know that you're doing these shenanigans. You better sit down or you will probably get kicked off the bus. You'll have to deal with some shit. Like, you're graduating soon. So, like, I almost I blackmailed this guy. Like, to sitting down and leaving this kid alone, which worked, by the way, because people are all nice and tough until an adult has to step in and say something. So, I was like, and then the the rest of the year, I was the snitch on this bus. But I was like, listen, if me being a snitch means none of you are going to be animals, like, I'm okay with this, like, deal. Like, I have no problem being the snitch. If this is Harry Potter, I'm worth 150 points. So, whatever. Like, I'm okay with being the golden snitch here. It did not matter to me. Um, That was one instance, and then it was another instance, um, which was not good. This other instance happened out of school, so I didn't really hang out with anyone from my high school. I ended up making friends from another school, and they ended up being my core friend group. And uh, with those kids, we um had a situation where this one girl started dating this guy, and this guy was a bit of a douchebag. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He was a bit of a douchebag. And uh, they're what we used to call the skater kids. They were skateboarders, and I'm not saying all skateboarders are douchebags. I'm not. I really am not. Um, <laughs> if you thought that I was, that's something to say about you, not me. Um. So this kid kind of like being a dick to this girl, and like I'm good friends with this girl at this point. So this girl is being terrorized by this guy, being pressured into like going further than she wants. You know, like, we're talking, like, relationship-wise, we're talking physically. And she's like, uh, like, I'm not ready to go that far with this guy. And I said, listen, like, literally, you know what you want. Your decision is more important than anything anyone wants to say. If he's putting pressure on you, you tell him to stop. You tell him to back off. And then if he doesn't, you break up with him. Literally, there is no contract. You can walk away and it sucks because this is someone you were friends with first and it's disappointing to find out that your friend is being this way. But that is not an okay mentality to have. Like, you are not his property. You tell him to fuck off. So I tell her all this and she listens. Like, thank you, Peter. You're so amazing. Whatever. like, Good. We're good. We're good. I sleep. She sleeps. She sleeps on the decision. The next day, and this is grade 11, by the way. So now we're the senior kids um, and I'm studying for my IGCSEs, which are an international examination uh, in the British curriculum, that happens between the month of May to the month of June. And it's an exam where, let's say, your math exam is at 11 a.m. It's at the exact same time in the U.K. It's at the exact same time in every other country because there, no cheating can happen. So they're intense. Um, so I'm studying for my math exam at a Dunkin' Donuts by my house with one of my friends. And Skater Douche walks up with five of his friends. And he's like, um, he, he tells my friends, like, can you tell Pia to come outside? It's like, what? okay at this point like i'm thinking oh my god these gangs that my dad was warning me about are coming (laughs) at me they're all holding skateboards like weapons like this is not and i'm like this is the most active like savagery i've seen in my life like these this is ridiculous like i am not a violent person i don't believe in it i think it's stupid and now i have to step outside i was like no you walk inside take a seat and talk to me like a human So he comes in and he's like, "Uh, what the fuck did you say to her? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, she broke up with me and she said, Puya told me to. And I'm like, oh my God, why'd you tell him that? I was like, that is not what the point was. So I explained to him, I'm like, listen, man, you want to air laundry? You're trying to do this, 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 this. It's not fucking okay. She was not happy about it. I told her not to do it. And you're sitting here because of your own mistake. It has nothing to do with me. All I did was be the ear she wanted to talk to someone about what you were saying and trying to do. And then he tucked his uh, willy between his legs. He walked out of there embarrassed because obviously his friends now know what he was trying to do. And uh, that was the end of that. But I was not okay with it. I was so not okay with that kind of behavior. And that is one of the things I had seen a lot there. So growing up in high school, obviously, we all know as adults, or if you're in high school and you're listening to this as humans, um, we all know that high school rules are different than real life rules. People behave differently. And now this is where kind of the culture thing coming back in uh, to the high school dating scene. A lot of my female friends, when they got in relationships in high school, their boyfriends would ask them to delete every guy they knew off social media because guys and girls cannot be friends once uh, they're in relationships. So you do that. And I thought that was the most asinine thing ever. Right. So it was like little things like that, that and like me being someone who grew up in a household with women, with these strong women who strive to do everything and, I'm being told or I'm being shown by these kind of actions that they're not allowed to be their own person. And that is not something I could ever wrap my head around. That is not something I ever wanted to either surround myself with or allow represent who I am as a person. So that these things were happening in high school and like, I'm watching these relationship dynamics and I'm like, this is not like, this is, this isn't the community I want to be in. Like I cannot stay here. Um, I'm watching people just stay like looking back now 80 percent of my friends who stayed back home for university still live with their parents everything paid for they've been given a car because that is that is the middle eastern bribe of uni so my dad hit me with this too he's like so do you want to go abroad or if you want you can stay here and i'll buy you a car and then like you can commute from school yourself and you'll have your own car it's a pretty good responsibility no i'm like Yeah, I'll walk to a university somewhere in Canada. Like we're, we're okay with this decision. That is the bribe. So a lot of my friends still live in that. And I think that was my issue was I felt like it was like living in this snow globe where everything outside of this world is a certain way. And then the rules and the behavior here is another way. And this is not the way I want my life to go. So, you know, I start looking into universities abroad and at first my I had I had narrowed it down to the US and Canada. Those were my two options to go to. And I'd looked into both. Uh, my dad obviously he had he graduated from Oklahoma State, so he was kind of okay with both decisions. Then our the way the system works is like, yes, I graduated grade eleven with the British curriculum, but to go abroad to North America, I would need grade twelve. So I finished grade eleven. I do grade 12 in a whole new school. Now, grade 12 was the only year in my high school career where the genders were no longer separate. We were all one class, and we're all mixing and mingling, and it was great. Um, Right out the gate, new school, I become head editor of our yearbook, and I became our deputy head boy, which I did not go to Hogwarts. Guys, trust me, these are standard British curriculum terms that exist. I am not making these up. So now I've got like new responsibilities in the school. I've been there three months. I've made a bunch of friends. We're all like... Our graduating class was 35, 36 people. So we were all really close. Um, And with the British system... So your IGCSEs I mentioned earlier. You take like 10 of them. And then whatever grades you get. Get you into grade 12. Grade 12. You're specializing in four subjects maximum. So... For university, I needed four subjects and I took math, IT, economics, business. I needed math because I got accepted. I got accepted to the university I ended up going to in uh, Ottawa. Um, I got accepted in the, uh, for a Bachelor of Commerce in marketing. I was like, okay, this is perfect. Like the only prerequisite is we need a math grade of a minimum B. It's like, okay, I can get that. Uh, Taryn, I got an ungraded. Ungraded means you did so bad that they do not grade your paper. They just leave it blank. It was bad. Um, I got blindsided by the exam. it did not go well and now I'm sitting in a position where <clears throat> I've hit 18 years old, which means in the law in Dubai because I'm not I'm the son, I have to now be as an independent. I can no longer be on a residence visa with my parents. I have to be on my own visa. And the only way I could do that is if I stay in school or work. Otherwise, I'm going to get shipped off to Iran, which I've never lived in. So I'm panicking because now I can no longer go to university. So I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? Should I just go here? I decided, oh, there isn't, there's a, you know, door number three. And that was to go to a grade 13, which exists in the British curriculum. I'm like, okay, you know what? And I can, and I did what I do best. I convinced myself that this was a great, you know, wake up call. It's like, it's grade 13. There's only, you take two subjects. That's all you take. And how many other people in the world can say they've done grade 13? Not many. I was like, this is a nice medal to have. I've done grade 13. Have you? No. Z, I did this. So I was like, okay. So I applied for grade 13. They let me in because it's my already, like I've been in the school before. Anyways, fast forward through all this nonsense. I get the grades I need, and at age 19, I'm about to move to a whole new continent, having never been away from my parents in any shape or form, never been to the continent, never traveled on my own, I moved here with three suitcases, a backpack, and started life as an independent.
0: There you go. <laughs> how, yeah. how did that feel? Like um, I, I feel like... Most of the people I've talked to who had this kind of experience when especially when you want to just you want, you want to have a new start like there is some amount of nervousness, but I think it's mostly excitement is that is that accurate um
1: yes, it's a lot of excitement, a lot of emotions for me, luckily, I didn't have much time to think because so I got accepted on um a uh, what they call it's a coincidental not a coincidental i can't remember the word okay camera is a temporary accepting in the event that you get the grades required and with the british system you do your exams in may june you get the results mid-august official results so you get accepted to the universities based on your predicted grades signed off by your teachers so if my teachers think i'm capable of getting an a They'll write an A, they'll sign it up, I send it to the university, and I get accepted. Now I have to get those grades to get in. So I get my grades mid-August, I'm good to go. That's all set. The semester starts in two and a half weeks. I've luckily booked my plane ticket already, because it's going to be expensive if I book it now, but now my passport is still with the Canadian Embassy, and I haven't gotten it back with the visa stamped in, but my plane leaves in two weeks. So now I'm worried about this. Like, is this going to happen? Sure enough, with 10 days remaining, I get the passport. Now I know I'm going. So now it's starting to set in that I'm actually going, especially with last year not happening. I've not had to prepare for this moment all that much. So now I have 10 days. My mom makes a list of, okay, you need this, 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 this for your first year. We go around, we do the shopping rounds, we get all that. And now I'm sitting down. So my dad, he's a practicing Muslim. Um, he always tried, and I think he still kind of tries to like, you know, put religion down on the table and explain like, this is good. Like you should, you know, implement this in your life. I'll be honest. I don't practice religion. It's not my thing. Um, therefore the days leading up now, this is my parents' last moments to get in my <laughs> ear before I go and make an ass out of myself in North America. So my mom sits me down. She's like, you know, I know drinking is going to be a thing. Like you don't have to do it if you don't want. And I'm like, Mom. I don't want to drink like it's not my scene don't worry about me I know what I'm doing my mom's like oh you're amazing like you're so you're so you're such a well put together kid like I believe in you you know yada yada confidence confidence and then my dad's like trying to do this whole religion thing and I did the exact same thing I'm like dad I know like it's important to feel one it's important to like you know just think meditate and all that and my dad's like yes oh my god like we're gonna miss you, son. Like you're amazing. Like, blah blah blah. So I'm like, <laughs> fooled them. <laughs> so then I, <laughs> so I get on the plane. I get here, and like obviously, so there's like three big, um, things with my parents, and like most Middle Eastern parents that are like following religion. You know, pork, you don't eat it. Alcohol, you don't drink it. Sex, you don't have it. Okay. I land in Canada. And it was a 24-hour flight because I didn't take a nonstop because that was – the thing was my dad agreed to pay for my entire education so long as I got accepted. He's like, I want you to go. And my dad was vouching for me to move from Dubai because, as I mentioned earlier, like, we didn't get citizenship there. So it was always living there temporarily. My dad wanted me to get something where I can, like, lay some roots down and, like, develop my own being. And he didn't really like Dubai all that much. So he was okay with me moving. He said he'll pay for all the education. And then, therefore, I was like, well, that's crazy because I'm, you know, doing the calculations as an international student. You're paying like a quarter of 100K pretty much like every year. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of pressure. I don't want to put that on you. Therefore, if I can cut costs anywhere, I can. So in the four years that I went to uni, I visited home twice um, because I knew the plane tickets were going to cost like you know, eight, nine, um, at the same time, I would never ask for nonstop. I always took the route cheapest. And that meant doing seven hour flight to Amsterdam in the airport for eight hours. And then another eight hour flight to Canada. So like, by, like by the time I get to Canada, 24 hours had gone by and it, I land and it's cold and I've got a hoodie on, but I love it because I love wearing hoodies and now I can finally wear them because it's the weather for it. I'm like, okay, I give the cab driver my address. I get to the hotel, And I remember laying down and it was kind of like that home alone moment. It's like, I made my family disappear. Like I am in a whole new country on my own. Oh my God, I'm in a whole new country on my own. Now I'm panicking. I'm like, this is crazy. (laughs) But I wake up the next morning and I go downstairs for the continental breakfast. It's a buffet. I love my buffets. So I get down, I pick out a plate and then I'm going around making my rounds. It's like, oh, eggs. Okay, cool. Ooh, a little bit of, you know, home fries. Yes, please. And then I get to, I pull this one out. It's bacon. And I'm looking at it and it looks delicious. And I'm like, you know what? I've had a long trip. It's been a while. Like, it's been a long trip. I deserve bacon. I want to try bacon. And like, I'm like watching Epic Mealtime at the time too. And they're all about their bacon and it looks delicious. So I tried this out and I'm like, oh, my life's been a lie. This is delicious. I'm like, okay, this is great. So then fast forward through there, you know, I move into the dorms. Uh, first year was great. Obviously every promise I had made my parents, I broke one by one by one, uh, f- fully integrated myself into that life. Um, made a lot of friends, made a lot of memories, forgot a lot of memories. Um, it was fun. It was really fun. And I definitely enjoyed myself first year. And then that's when, so when I moved to, um, canada that's kind of when i had i had made my twitter so like the whole puya ism twitter handle that i'm still holding on to that happened then because i had kind of made this move giving all this advice and being like the earpiece i was like you know what i can give advice that's my thing you know it's an ism it's a puya ism it's like ooh, you're smart puya you're intelligent (laughs) this is your twitter handle now this is where my twitter used ended up being like The main place for my conversations with friends back home um, and like new friends. And like, that's where I would write my things. And, you know, one of the things I ended up thinking is like one of my core isms is to anyone that's in university or is about to go on university. Beware of the roommates you pick for when you're moving off campus. It is not going to be chill. It is not going to be easy. Um and my parents tried to talk me out of it cuz first year is dorms obviously you're living that minimalistic life and now it's time to move and I you know I got the invite it was like kind of being on the voice four chairs turned around and they're like you want to be our roommate and I'm like yeah I'll be your roommate I'll be your foreign roommate yes this is fun so I tell my parents I'm like okay listen like there's these four friends of mine they've asked me to move in with them and I want to do it and my dad's like you're not ready I'm like I'm not ready I moved to canada on my own i'm alive aren't i i'm like doing the things you said not to but i'm still kicking so they both advised against it and i'm thinking again from a cost perspective i'm like living on dorms cost twice as much it's half the size of a room not even like a whole place and most of my friends are going to move out i'm like this is a slam dunk on all fronts so we agree um that i get to make the final cut I decide I'm moving out. I'm living with friends. Four people, Taryn, plus me, that's five people in the house. It was chaos. It was absolute chaos. So we were three guys, two girls. Um, and when we moved in, we moved in May 1st. And again, it was one of those things where everyone went home for the holidays. I was the only person still left in the city. And like Ottawa was a smaller city. Ottawa is kind of like a you're either a university student or you're a senior citizen. There's not really much in between. So a lot of people just went home for the holidays. And it was me, uh, my one other roommate. She had stuck around uh, for a couple months as well. And it was just a fun time. Like that whole summer was just shenanigans on shenanigans. Real life had not kicked in. We have no responsibilities. School hasn't really started. Um, But then that August was when everything went into utter disarray. Um, We come back. I mean, they all come back. And now we had, so what we had done was we signed a lease, obviously, but then we had like talks with the landlord and this is another tip for you kids out there. Do all your payments separately. Don't agree with your friends that one person will give the check and you'll all give them the money (sighs) because one person's bound to like ruin that real big. So one of my friends, she, her backstory real quick, she, Canadian. Her parents, both teachers, she had moved to Qatar and she her parents were teachers there. So she grew up there and then she moved back for university. Um, and I had like gotten to know her really well. We were like the closest friends in the house. Um, so I knew she had a history with depression. She had had a year of school that she had to stay home for. No locks on the door. Very prone to like depression, like depressive thoughts, suicidal thoughts, all of this. She's the one. That was given the responsibility of... She was like, I'll do the checks. Everyone send me the money. We're like, okay, cool. We all send her the money. One guy didn't send her the money. One guy skipped town, dropped out of school, didn't pay her the money. She didn't, wasn't able to afford the money because she paid the rent, but they pulled money out from her account, and now she couldn't pay tuition. And now she's worried. Now she's reverting back to depression, and then... This other guy who we were living with was like, this is all too much. I'm moving out. So now he moves out and now we're three people living in a five bedroom with one person who's like feeling this way. And then one other girl who bless her soul had nothing to do with this. She was like she was our innocent one and we ruined her like she had to deal with so much stress and she was just trying to do school like there's an entrance scholarship when you enter university with our university We had all lost it except for her. She was the one. She was our, like, rising star. And she had to deal with this stuff. So my friend, my close friend, she's dealing with this now. And she's reverting back. And I stopped everything else in my life. I attended my classes minimally. I did my assignments as need be, but I did not leave her side. I was always with her. We had these two couches in the living room. She took one, I took one. I didn't use my bedroom for three months. We just slept on these couches every night, talked to like four or five in the morning whenever she needed to, and I just kept her sane. I did everything I could to make sure she never got to that point of negativity. I loaned her money when I could, um, and eventually like I contacted her parents, I explained what had happened, and then they um, got her a trip. She went back home for a couple months, came back, decided she's moving out of Ottawa, and she's going to go back to Newfoundland, where she was originally from in Canada, where her family is. So she moved there. And um, I mean, fast forward to now, she's got a double major completed. She's living with her boyfriend of two, three years. They have a dog together. She quit smoking. Very happy. Very happy. Everything's great. Um, But so she moves and I was just happy that she was fine because nothing else mattered at that point for me. But then I kind of look up. And I kind of pick up my stuff from the floor, metaphorically speaking. And I'm like, all my friends just moved away. Um, the friend group I had, everyone dropped out or moved away. And now it's two of us living in a five bedroom and life is rough. So my PSA to all the kids out there is, first of all, keep your friends close. You know, be there for them when you can. Sometimes people need someone to hug and hold on to. And that's all they require from you. Be there for them. Second. For the love of God, just vet your people, vet your friends before you move in with them. It is not always the best choice. It's fun on paper. The parties are unbelievable, and they're always going to be memorable, but the parties are one night out of 365. So, you know, pick your battles. Don't do all the things. You're not going to necessarily get achievement in all the things.
0: Yeah, I can't can't think of anybody I know that did one of those, (laughs) like, uh... Let's get five dudes together and we'll all get in the house. And uh, like, um, you know, I visited those friends and, you know, it's, you know. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Everyone resents each other after a certain time. It's like, man, that Steve doesn't do the dishes. Well, it's also just like a
0: total mess. Just like, yeah, uh, there's like a a pig walking around there. Like, I don't know what's going on in these places. It's like,
1: yeah, like you're making all these like Red Solo Cup statues. It's like this is not a house. This is a like this is awful. Fix your life. Yeah, no, and that happened. Then my next place I moved in, I moved in with these four other guys that I knew, thinking this one will be different. And it was, Taryn, surprisingly enough, because this is my this was my decision making. So in this initial house, we were all art majors. Um, three of them, one of them left moved out of the uh, the city two of them dropped out of school outright and i had these like four engineering friends and they had their shit together and i'm like they're engineers like they have to study they can't <laughs> just like leave i'm like i need stability in my life right now they're not going anywhere like, okay so i moved in with them we got a new place bigger place and that was perfect it was the perfect balance everyone did their things on time Everyone did their rent separately. Everyone paid their utilities. That was fun. The parties were amazing. That was perfect. That was a good correction or really gamble that worked out perfectly. Because it was the same thing, just different people. And that worked out for the two years. And in that house, that's when I started listening to RHAP. And that's where I really got into Big Brother and Survivor um, more than I ever had. Because I had watched some Survivor while I was in Dubai um, I vividly remember watching Redemption Island while studying for that math test that I failed um, instead of studying, obviously. And now I've gotten into it. And this summer, so I'm, uh, one of my only other friends that was in town still was still here. And he he would, he would was painting that summer. That was his job. So he would come over afterwards. We'd hang out. So one day he comes in. He's like, what are you watching? I'm like, dude, it's Survivor. Shh, like, I'm watching. It was, it was One World. I think I was watching One World. It's not even like the most, titillating season so he sits down he's like okay okay let's keep watching i'm like oh my god my dream has come true i've convinced someone to watch one of these shows with me so now we're watching survivor intensely and we started watching and i'm like man have you watched any of it before he's like no i'm like okay i've heard this season's really good let's watch this season so we put on samoa And now we're watching Samoa, and this guy is laying an egg all over my house. Because he cannot believe someone like Russell exists, and it's just causing this chaos. And he's in it for the chaos, but he's also, he likens himself to, like, a shelter guy. So he kind of likes the survival aspect, too. So we just spent a good two weeks watching as much Survivor as we could before I went back home. And so I go home, and at this point, this is, like, the second time I went back home. I've not been back since... Um, I have not seen my dad since. It's been like four, almost four years. My mom visited me last summer for my sister's graduation, who, spoiler alert, my sister moved here uh, to Canada as well for university. She made it. She's out. Um, Which, honestly, to talk about that for a second, Taryn, that was another thing. My sister was not allowed by my dad to go anywhere else except for the city I'm in. So I was like, um, yeah, please let Dina come here. I'll take care of her quote, quote, nudge, nudge, whatever I could to get her out. So she gets out literally week one. We were uh, before she gets moving in into her dorm. She was staying with me. And I'm like, Dina, listen, I'm not going to shadow you. I'm not dad. You are not going to hear from me a lot. You're going to have your own life. I'll invite you to all my parties. You can bring whoever you want. But I was like, just keep me in the loop. Let me know how much like what you're doing, what experiences you're going through, if you're having fun, but it's your life, your friends, your rules like i want you to have as much freedom as i did when i moved here i think it's nonsense that i'm supposed to police you and report back so every like week my dad would call me back like, so how's dina mo oh, dina's amazing we hung out yesterday she's getting all these a's and like she's been doing well in school she's made some friends obviously i know she's doing all these things but i wasn't hanging out with her so i would just give like these little progress reports until like and my mom knew what i was doing because me and my mom are very transparent she knows everything that's going on in my life she's heard about everything i've told you today Like, she knows all of it. Um, My dad doesn't know any of this. My dad just, for his information, I went to university in Canada. It's been good. Um, It's been fun. Found a job. Job's been okay. Um, I go to the gym every now and then. I hang out with some friends, and that's it. Like, that. he doesn't ask more. I don't tell him more. My mom knows the ins and outs of every conversation I have, pretty much. Um, But, so my sister got to move here. And that was amazing in its own right. And I was really, really, really happy for her. And I'm really glad she's here with me now.
0: Was there an expectation that you would be moving back uh, to, your, to be with your family or be around them at any point?
1: Um, so not really, uh, because they kind of knew how I felt about being there. My dad was very okay with me carving my own path. Um, I still think he wanted me to kind of go because my dad. So what my dad does for business, he's dabbled. He used to have, he has like a handful of furniture showrooms, or he did. Uh, for the furniture business ended up being horrible. He's like shutting them down a little bit by little bit. He tried to like build a hotel in Iran that didn't work out. Like my dad's an entrepreneur. He just dabbles in all these like businesses, and he kind of wanted me to do that. And um, up until like two and a half, I think so. The last trip I made there in twenty fourteen he was, he, we sat down and talking, like, once I had moved away, I became closer to him as well, in a way, because when I was there, I would hang out with him, um, I was very okay with spending my, I'm like, I have like a month here, let me give this month to my parents, whatever they want, I'm with them, I will hang out with them, I'll make minimal plans to catch up with some old friends, but I'm not going anywhere, if they want to hang out, that's what I'm doing, so we'd have talks, and I started realizing, um, I think dad wants me to come back and take over the business, like some kind of twisted stereotypical, like, here you go, son, the key to the empire. I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to live in the middle East. Like there's this, this isn't my life. Um, so that's when I noticed. This is kind of what he wants me to do. So I have to subtly start throwing it in there that these are my future plans. This is what I'm looking at doing. And that started keeping him off my back a little bit. Um, and I just pushed for it. I pushed for it to the point where he saw, cause once he noticed there was drive, once he noticed there was motivation, he no longer felt the need to hold me and like try and steer me. Once he realized I'm capable of doing that on my own, he backed off and that was great. That was liberating. And it was perfect. Cause I was like, I don't have to break the news to him verbally. I've just kind of, these actions have shown it to him and he's kind of backing off and I can feel that. Um, so the other thing is, um, I had, um, picked up smoking, uh, cigarettes. Um, this started in my first year at university and it's a habit I have since quit officially. It's been like about two months feeling good about it. Um, but up until two months ago, it was happening. Um, and that was kind of difficult for me because my mom knew my mom's a smoker herself, and initially, she was very sad. She thought she had been the reason. I was like, mom, like if I was gonna smoke because of you, I would have done it while we were in Dubai. I wouldn't wait to pay like three amounts the <laughs> three amounts the price here in Canada. Like I would have done it there. So once she found that out, she was okay. She had my back. My mom, like me and my mom, became like we like passed this threshold of just her being my parent to her being like my best friend at that point. And, like, especially with all these friends moving and, like, leaving, I really started feeling alone a little bit. And she was there for me. So, my dad could never know I'm a smoker. And we obviously had a system. Like, I was covered. My dad sleeps. I knew what times my dad slept. He's, like, an older person. He's on this, like, routine. So, I knew exactly when to leave the house, when to do my smoke breaks, and all that. Then... For a period of two weeks, we were going to Iran um, because I had to – for two reasons. So one reason was I was not given a visit visa longer than a month, and I had intended on staying in Dubai for two months. So after that one month, I had to go to Iran. My dad was going to work on the paperwork to renew my visa, and I could come back again for another like two, three weeks. So we go there, and the other reason was I had to get a follow-up done on my chest to make sure everything was on the go – and no abnormalities had come back. No, like, redo of a surgery had to be in the works. Uh, good news. That was good. Anyways. So we get there. And Taryn. So this is where my love for RHAP explodes. Because Iran. So Dubai, you know, everything. Internet's regular. You can access anything you want. Except for porn, obviously. That's all blocked. Um, but, you know, my regular TV is there. Big Brother was there. Survivor was there. I'm okay. And uh, Big Brother 16 had just started. The I watched the prem, the two-day premiere. I watched that um, the night before I had a flight to Iran. And I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm a resourceful tech guy. I can easily find these links online, like, to watch it when I'm there. I could not find the links. Everything was blocked. Every show I wanted was blocked. Even the websites I used to stream, all these, like, multiple links, you know, your... Like pirated services, everything was blocked. Podcast feed was not blocked. I could still download every single RHAP episode. So, I would like patiently wait the morning after an episode. I'm like, okay, so like do the time conversion. It's about like nine hours. So like Pi went on live now. So it should be on. Okay, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. is my time. So I set my alarm 10 a.m. I'd wake up, I'd have breakfast, and I'd download the podcast and I'd listen to it to find out what was going on with Big Brother and I get all my updates. And that's all the entertainment I had for two weeks was these podcasts. It's so like those were happening. I remember Rob did a podcast, a draft for the most underrated Survivor players. That was happening. So I just took all this information in. And for two weeks, that's all the entertainment I had, all the entertainment I had. And that's when my respect for RHAFB just hit a whole other level because like, you saved me from God knows what would have happened those two weeks if I had nothing to take in at all.
0: It's, it's always funny when I, when I'm hearing people's stories and then, especially like when it gets connected to like Big Brother or Survivor, and then I'm realizing like this, this was a story that is now grounded to, this is when I watched Big Brother 16. This is when I watched Survivor <laughs> One World. This, what he's telling me was happening at this time in my life. Like, oh, that's so, yeah. such a, uh, you know, it, it, it grounds me in the experience more. It's, it's strange. Like Survivor it's is amazing. a connected tissue.
1: Yeah, yeah, just, like, watching the timeline and, like, looking back, it's like, okay, all the things I know now, looking back, like, BB-16 was the height of when I started peaking as a listener and as a fan of both RHAP and Big Brother. And I think about that, and I'm like, that's insane, because I look back at it now, I don't remember having a very, like, happy thought about 16, necessarily, but, like, really, it was such a cornerstone of my love for all of this. So... Anyways, fast forward through that, turn. Iran goes well. The Dubai trip goes well. That's the last time I've gone back since. Um, I tried going back last year. I was denied a visit visa, uh, sadly. That was not in the works, so I couldn't go. Um, ended up going to Toronto, know-it-alls instead. That was better. Let's be real. That was way better. Um, that was great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> So that was fun. Yeah, I-, I met you there. That was so much fun. Yeah, that's where we met for the first time. We got to watch you live on stage. That was great. It was very good. Rave reviews. Um, so then I move out of this four person, five person house that we had built with the engineers, um, into, so one of my friends from back home in Dubai had planned to move to Canada. So he moves here and I'm like, okay, so he was going to this college that was about an hour away from my, like my university. It's like, dude, I'll look for places. I'll get you a place closer to there. Like stay there. Cause it'll be close for the commute. We can hang out whenever. So he's like, yeah, no, honestly, I want to do that myself. That's my plan. I was like, oh, okay, damn. Like, sorry for me for assuming you want to live with me, whatever. I, like, you're set up. It's fine. So he gets here two days in. He's like, man, we should move in together. I'm like, literally, that is not what the deal was. Like, I'm three months into a lease. I can't just leave my friends. He's like, come on, man. Like, we're, we've been buddies way longer, et etc. et cetera. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll talk to the guys. I talked to the guys and these are two remaining engineers from that initial house. It's like, guys, like Nabil's like moving here. And he's one of my best friends. Like, can he stay? Like, can I move out with him? You guys give me your blessing. They're like, yeah, just find us someone to sublet. It's like, okay. So we do all that, Taryn. And then I find this kid a job at my work, which believe me was not tough. Like it's a bagel shop. Like anybody, I can, you need a job in Ottawa. I'm your guy. (laughs) Um, This is not an ad. Don't don't reply to this asking for jobs. I will not get you one. Anyways, so he needs a job. We find him a job there. It's good. And then he meets this girl um, on the night shift. So he's working during the day. I'm working nights because um, that's just the job I was given. So I'm working nights. So I'm training this girl who just started working. And Nabil and this girl start talking a little bit at work. I'm noticing some sparks. But these are all also red flags simultaneously because Nabil just got out of the serious. Rela- also, Nabil, if you're listening to this, you had to know it's coming at some point, bro. I'm sorry. He's not going to listen to this. I'm not worried. Anyways, so he had just had this long relationship with his girlfriend because he was moving here. And he was like, I, I don't want to do the long distance. That's not my I can't do that. I was like, okay do you do three weeks in him and this girl. They're hitting her off. Uh, me and Nabil sign a place. We move in together. This girl becomes our third roommate within a month, and she's now living with us. And it's all because she's a nice girl. So I'm not, I have no problem with this. Um, and then they start having their you know, as my friend Dan would call it, their domestics. They're like by domestic they're like their couplely arguments, and like they're having them in front of me, and I'm super uncomfortable. Like, I don't need to know why you're not feeling okay with this relationship. I don't need to know why you think that the way she said this to you bothers you. Like, I'm sorry. This is not my place. So that now this is happening. And I'm like, this is so not what I signed up for. Like, you know, a third roommate. Sure, fun. But now I feel like I'm the third wheel in my own place, which I don't want to be. So this is not fun. And then though, the silver lining was around then. Uh, one of my buddies... Him and his girlfriend were serious. They were living together and they went to this cottage and they found this stray kitten who was just left in this cottage alone and like little and tiny and like helpless. They take this cat in, they get it neutered, they get it checked up. The cat has FIV, which is feline AIDS, so it can't stay with other cats. And they already had a cat. So then they asked me if I would keep the cat and I said, yes, give me the cat. You guys can't see him. Karen can see him. Winston's right over there hanging out.
0: I had Um, been planning on asking because I've been able to, this whole entire interview, just watch this cute cat in the background, uh, just like make cute faces. And I was going to ask about it at the end.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. So yeah, Winston, the nicest cat in the world, doesn't make any noise at all ever. He's been sleeping here the entire time or walking around. Um, So I got the key. I got Winston and that Winston was my therapy. It was like, These guys are having their disputes. I'm just petting Winston and we're hanging out. But anyway, so I'm working nights at this point, Taryn, in my life. This is like 2016. I'm working 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. And the hours are bad because it's 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. And I'm coming home. And the thing is, with sleeping during the day, it's never the same energy as sleeping at night. So I'm sleeping from like 11, 10, 11 a.m. all the way to 9 p.m. And I'm exhausted all the time. There's no way to repair it. I've tried, I've tried to sleep the minute I get home. I'm still feeling the same way. And the good thing was like, now I'm on the opposite schedule of these two who are just always at home and arguing. So I don't have have to deal with that at all. And my job detail at night at the time was I would get together all the orders that were going to be set out to delivery the next morning. So I'm, I'll like delegate all the responsibilities to like my trainees and everything. And then I would go to the back and work for like three hours on these orders, putting them together, putting them in the van and just a lot of back and forth, just in the back on my own. So podcasts come in and I'm listening to you guys, you know, talk about the episodes. I'm listening to the round table, which at the time was just the happy hour with you guys and Jordan. And that was like a lot of where I got my podcasting uh, in on my intake. And then on my days off. Typically, I would go to sleep at, like, noon, wake up at 10 p.m. when everything's closed for the week, kind of, for the day. And then there was this diner that was, like, about a 30-minute walk away from my place. So, every Monday, um, I would wake up, I would download the new episode of The Happy Hour, I would start my walk, make it to this diner, have, like, breakfast, dinner, lunch thing that I didn't know what schedule I was on, and I would listen to that. And that was, like, kind of my way of just kind of reverting back to... That summer when I first fell in love with RHAP. It was just because I a lot of my friends had moved. I'm working nights now. So literally hanging out with people has gotten difficult to put together because I'm never awake or around when people are. And these two are having their issues that is really just being something I don't want to be a part of. So I'm just taking the podcast in. And then Rob puts out the call for Say You Think. And I'm thinking, you know what? I, I want that. I was like, this is... I'm at a point, like, similar to Liana, like Liana had mentioned, being in a position where it's like, I want to do this. Things around me are not really where I want them to be. This is something that not only is, like, a bit of an escape, but this is something I always thought about doing. And I think I'm capable. I think I've, I've got what it takes. I can do that, maybe. And it was like, RHAP has done so much for me up until this point in the last, like, two years. I want to give back. Even if it's like two episodes, I want to try. I want to try and like should prove to myself that, hey, you you were thinking about like, it's kind of like, oh, I got the chance to play Big Brother. It's like you've thought about it so long. Now you want to kind of show that you can do it. You know, when you get called up, it's like I'm going to apply because I've thought about it and I'm like, let me see if I'm any good at it. Let me like try and prove it to myself and then also simultaneously do something for the community kind of thing. So I apply, you know, um, do my ridiculous video, do my... Um, cringe dab that I now can never unsee, and sure enough, something worked, and I get picked, and that was nice. And I remember the day that, um, the day that the cast dropped, or like the contestants dropped, and I found out who's gonna be on it with me because we had so at this point it was like closer to the end of our lease when, um, this had happened. So, while So You Think was going on, I'm still living with my best friend and his at this point about to be ex-girlfriend, they're like ending things and we're move, And then me and him are moving out with my other friend. So we're doing our own thing. So we had signed a lease to this place, but we had it for an extra, like a month. We had both places. So we're still living in our regular place, but we have the keys to the other place. So me and my other friend decided to go to clean it up a little bit and like get it ready for when we're moving in and the cast drops while we're there. And I was like, man, I'm sorry, but I am not helping for the next hour and a half. I need to size up my competition and see what's going on. And I kinda wanna see what people are thinking. Like it's exciting for me. I'm I'm very stoked. And then I look at the cast and you know, you had Adam on last week. Adam was hilarious. I really love listening to his story and getting the backdrop the backstory about YouTube and all the weird parties that occurred with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so I'm not gonna lie, Taryn. I see Adam, I see his video, and immediately I'm like, damn, this kid's got humor, he's got the editing skills on point, like his video was very well thought out. My video was on this shitty webcam on my computer. I'm like a little intimidated. And then we kind of get like a Twitter list that drops, and I'm like, he has sixty thousand followers. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. And like now I'm like, damn. But at the same time, it was like kind of like that was kind of like it brought me back down because I'm like, okay, mathematically speaking, I don't think I'm gonna beat him. Okay, but it still went back to my original thing was I want to not suck. I want to prove that I'm okay at this, right? So I was like, what can I do? All I can do is do a good job, kind of like show everyone who I am, and then if I'm any good, I'll get like some kind of praise. People will like what I did, and that's great. And if I'm not good, I will know my place. I will go back to listening to this podcast that I love and I will leave comments on posts here and there and like show my appreciation every chance I get for the community. So no matter what I'm showing appreciation, I'm a winner. Like I get, I went back to the whole, let me not let this like turn me off on this. Let me not knock myself down over it. And then obviously we start the, we start that first competition. It was me, Amon, Adam and Nod and I had so much fun doing it i was like no matter what this was a great experience i'm having fun this is awesome then the second podcast happens i'm like okay okay we're in round two and now i'm like this is a lot of fun and for me it was a little bad just because i would i both times i had worked till 7 a.m and then i slept for three hours then i woke up because we did our shows at noon so i woke up had a coffee and like just caught up on anything i'd missed in those three four hours and then jumped jumped on and It was a great experience, Taryn. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, everything being said, it didn't win, obviously. But just the community. Just, like, getting to... Because, like, at that point, I had been a patron for about a year. But I was a silent patron for most of it. Up until, like, two months before the competition, before I had applied, I started talking to some people. Met some people through the Twitter. And then started commenting on some posts on the group. And at this point, I started getting to know everyone a lot more. I started, like, talking to a lot more people. And then fast forward a couple short months after that, like four, like six months go by, I've made some of my closest friends through this group. We got this little Airbnb house going on for the Toronto show, and that week was amazing. A lot of shenanigans, a lot of fun. Met you, obviously, met Brent, met Alex, met Rob himself, met all these other patrons that I had known just with a name on a screen and I'm seeing you in person and you know, I would not, I would not put myself out there in the community like this. Had it not been for so you think I would not, I would probably like would have had to sell myself on going to Toronto instead of buying tickets the minute they were available. Like just do putting myself, forcing myself to apply for so you think put me in a position where I wanted to be a more part of the community, be a member of the community at large, and I wouldn't have done that I had' not been for that, so I'm always happy with the with the way so you think went because honestly we're sitting here on the Terran show episode thirty three talking about me. How did we get here? <laughs> yeah, how do we get here? I don't even know
0: <laughs> no yeah it's uh i it was it was kind of the same thing with me where it's just like i I was never um I was never part of really any online community until uh I just randomly decided to try out to be on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh I was like, okay, so I guess I have to do this now. Uh this, this is the thing that I should be doing. <laughs> um like I I I'd, I'd like gotten into arguments on Reddit, but I don't know, I don't think that counts. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh I'm I'm so I'm like it it was I think an experience uh, for people uh, all, all around. Uh, people had an experience, but... I, I am really happy about all of the uh, the people that we managed to find and you know without without so you think you can podcast uh, I I would not be able to talk to Puya with on live feed updates uh, and and I'm so glad that, that uh, you know I've got these live feed updates so that I can uh, talk to uh, you know you guys much more often it's it's very fun for me to be able to reach out to all of these people that I really enjoy talking to and uh, you know talk to them on a daily basis so uh, you know just like this podcast I get to talk somebody on a deep level for uh for two hours every week Uh, yeah there's live feed updates it's like every morning i'm like hey it's it's my bud
1: yeah get here man yeah no exactly and like like even when i remove myself man i think about like you know how much more we got out of it like yes um it was a thing It was brutal. Um, Reddit was mean. YouTube was mean. The internet was mean. OTT kind of brought out the worst in everybody. Um, So it was like full force. Like there was a lot to take in. There was a lot to deconstruct. Obviously poor Adam like got slammed for his like following and like the way he was. And like there were these narratives going on. And like, you know, we had your team Puyas, your team Ama's, your team Lianas, your team Melissa's. There were all these like factions. And like people had opinions, strong opinions, strong feelings. And... Looking at it now, it's like, how we got here, you know, now we have the Liana Saturdays. You know, we've got the B&B. We've got Melissa, who lost it at you for calling her Marissa this season. <laughs> we had her ranting about BB-19 at large last season. We had John Krause get on here and talk about the psychology of Paul for an entire episode. Like, and we have um, um, Adam doing the uh, Are You The One podcast. Like, these are all people, like, now I look back, I'm like, damn. We all came out of this same little like space that we didn't really know what we were doing at the time. And I, that was only a year ago. So it's amazing.
0: It was like the skins of RHAP. Yeah. all, all of the, So many <laughs> yeah. actors come from that show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no need for a series two, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: Not, neither was there for skins, to be honest. Uh, yeah, that could have ended at season one. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, and and now we've got uh another another patron community member, another person who uh had been on podcast with Kirsten uh, yeah. is going to be on Big Brother Canada six. Yeah. uh very excited. This this it's it's so it's so great seeing everyone uh, blossom,
1: right? All from this one community. Fun thing about. Um, So you think and Kirsten linking to it. So I had noticed that Kirsten did a one-off during BB 18 before. um, So you think started. And I had also remembered the backlash she got Mm -hmm. from doing that. So it was the day before my first um, podcast, uh, my first uh, like week one, battle one of. So you think, and I messaged Kirsten because at this point we had like talked a little bit back and forth. It's like, Hey Kirsten. So I'm feeling a little nervous. Um, What advice would you give me? And she gave me advice that was essentially, just be yourself. Don't worry about what people are going to say. People have opinions. Just do your thing. You know you're good. Do your thing. And it kind of like grounded me for a second. And we were not that good of friends anyways. So it's not like I'm not here to tell you like, oh, my God, it changed me. And I went in and I conquered. No. I was like, thanks. And then I went back to panicking. But it's to show you the type of person kirsten is and like we became friends we did the so you think podcast house in toronto and now she's doing bb can six like who would have thunk it i don't even know these this is all ridiculous the skins of our time go watch series one <laughs> series two series three series four was good don't watch five and six and then don't watch seven just saying
0: <laughs> are, are how how excited are you to to watch kirsten on big brother canada are, are you worried for her
1: Oh my God. I'm really excited. So just to quickly like let everyone know how much into this we are now. Um, she was in a five, 15 second snippet last night, uh, during the BB celeb finale. And we don't know much else. I am a little worried, Taryn. Like, I'm not worried about her performance. I believe in Kirsten. I know how she is socially. I think she'll be able to maneuver just fine. Um, lest it be someone unhinges her or she really doesn't get along with someone, I think she'll be fine. I've watched her do multiple, you know, Facebook Friday appearances. I've seen her in the Secret Age group. Like, she mingles with people of different, like, backgrounds at different places. And everyone, like, universally in our group at the very least likes her. So I think she'll be fine. What I'm worried about is the Twitter of it all, the social media of it all. Um, And it's a little bit during, but also, like, I feel like Kirsten's going to come out and, like, obviously, like, I, I shouldn't say obviously. I would come back and I would look at everything. Like, I'm that type of person. I will look at every comment. I will look at every podcast, everything. I will. I would just want to take it in. I want to know what people thought, you know. So that stuff worries me. Um She's getting to live out something that she's wanted to do for a long time. And she has tried before. So for her to get to do this in its own way, it's a victory for her no matter what goes down. And that much I know. That much, I'm certain of. She got there finally, and she's happy about that. As far as performance goes, I think she'll do okay. I, If I had to call a shot, I would say, probably making it to jury. Um, I'm willing to stand on a box and say that. Uh, win the whole thing. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't even know who's going to be in there yet. I found out that there's um, the other girl in that promo is from Ottawa, and is from a rugby team. That is all I found out. I don't know her. I will... Ask my Ottawa folk if they can <laughs> identify her, but we have no other information to go off right now. I'm just excited for her.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I... I think that she's in an unfortunate spot where she has a lot of friends in the community and yeah. people that are very excited for her uh, and are very you know uh, not shy about expressing that excitement. And yes. so you know, there, and then there's a bunch of uh, crybabies on Twitter that are like, "Oh, who's this person that I keep? Who's Kyr- who cares about Kirsten? Screw Kirsten! Why is everyone talking fly. about Kirsten?"
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's yeah, like it's like being punished for being passionate about one thing, one friend. And it's just a matter, the the only problem is, realistically, we're from a community that identified someone. Like, the other girl or the other two guys, their friends identified them too, and they're celebrating somewhere. They're just not as vocal as we are in the sphere of Big Brother social media. So, that's a problem. However, I don't think that's going to change much. I think that people will probably try and root against her just for that reason. You know, it's kind of like you don't want to be in the popular opinion of it all, right? But watch, two, three weeks in, Kirsten has one bad situation happen to her. Someone tries to get her out. She survives, but she has to stay low. She's our underdog, and we'll just see everyone standing our Kirsten. So we're in it. We'll see. The dice will roll how they roll. We're just here for a fun time
0: yes uh so yeah i mean it'll it'll be fun um yeah i'm sure you will be coming on uh, many a live feed update where you will be watching isn't this crazy you're gonna be watching kirsten on the live feeds yeah and you're gonna be reporting on her activity yeah on the yeah. live feed update
1: the uh, and the thing is i'm not gonna shy away if kirsten's playing poorly i will call her out obviously mm-hmm. i am nothing if not fair um I will judge her. The only place I'm probably going to be biased in is in the drafts I'm involved in. I'm probably going to try and, like, get her in on my team if I can. But other than that, it's it's surreal, Taryn. Like, the idea that Kirsten is going to be talking about people I know, like multiple <laughs> people I know, is surreal. Like, outside of just, for sure, the LFC, get it, you guys getting shouted out, Rob being mentioned, the name she's going to drop, I know them. I've seen their names, you know what I mean? Like... It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. And I think this is probably the closest it's ever going to be to someone I know playing the game. And yeah, it's like it's probably like how um, Rob felt when he initially saw JP maybe. But JP was at that point. We didn't really know much about JP either. We kind of got to know him and love him afterwards. So this is like the biggest instance. Yeah,
0: yeah, even even, even Jordan, like he was a patron, but he wasn't super well-known. A lot of people right. didn't even realize that he was a patron. So Until um, later. Whereas, you know... And, and even then, he got a lot of flack for being RHAP-associated. Oh, my so God. Imagine. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, especially now with, you know, the... You know, I think a lot of people will be expecting Kirsten to follow suit with, you know, do something JP-like, uh, get put herself up on the block or something.
1: No, um, she would never... She was I hope, (laughs) knocking on wood. Yeah, well,
0: I I, I just hope there's no sleepovers after the uh, season ends and she's listening back to all the podcasts where I'm saying that she's doing poorly.
1: Taryn, (laughs) if there's one thing I can guarantee you is that maybe she won't go look over all the Twitter stuff, all the Reddit stuff, all the YouTube stuff. She will catch up with RHAP. Like, we might have like three weeks. But she will catch up, <laughs> and she will come after us. That I she's know for always, sure.
0: She's always going to kill me in Secret Hillier games then. Like, it's it's totally not fair.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Playing with Kirsten at that point is moot. You Unless your team's with her, unless the draw gives you both fascist... You are not gonna have a good time in the games with her, so <laughs> good luck. <laughs> uh, um
0: Yes uh it'll, it'll it'll be fun. Um I hope that uh, you know, I I I think we will, you know, we're we'll we'll keep it chill. We're not gonna be like, oh, remember this one time we hung out with Kirsten every day? Like uh you know, it'll be <laughs> a it'll journey. be fine. What a journey. Don't worry been. about it, everyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we're not gonna do that, you know. We are going to be happy for her if she wins HOH, if she makes a great move, we will praise her, but we're not going to overkill. I mean, I feel like all of us, and I'm speaking for like everyone, it's like we want her to do well, and we're just really excited right now. It's like not even 24 hours removed, we're still excited. We will calm down. Preseason content will come out. We'll focus on that. Then once the season starts, there's like, what, let's say 14, 15 other people involved too. Like there's a lot more going on. We're still going to keep a closer eye to her probably because she's our friend, but there's just so much else going on. I feel like we will all simmer down. It's just the beginning. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's big. It's exciting. It's the beginning. It's our new and like survivors kicking up. Like there's a lot. We're going to be focusing on a lot of things.
0: Yes, I do have a lot of people petitioning me to take her in my draft um, just because then she, has a, then she has a shot at winning right. uh, and otherwise
1: she wouldn't. Well, Taryn, as one undefeated to another, n- let no one forget, <laughs> I've been on one draft, a happy hour draft, with Adam, Liana, and JP, and I won that draft. So from one undefeated to another pretty much undefeated, um, do it. Do it. If it means she wins, <laughs> do it. You know records be damned, man, like what's an eight two to a potential nine one victory? I think you should do it
0: <laughs> all right, well, uh thank you so much for coming on the podcast Puya. this was a lot of fun
1: yeah I don't know it was a lot of fun for me too. I feel lighter, I feel like I've got a lot of conversation out there i'm pretty uh pretty okay with this, and honestly, anybody at any point, any walk of life, you want someone to be your Terran show person just message me and i'm always a happy ear to listen and talk to you if you need it
0: you're a great guy puya I, I love you i love you man
1: love you too man
0: <laughs> all right well uh thank you everyone for listening you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts uh the Terran show you can also listen or uh, subscribe to the uh you know subscribe to the reality tv rehab ups feed if you want this um and make sure you leave a review on itunes uh not for reality tv screw them but just for me uh <laughs> the Terran show um <laughs> Uh and make sure you also go to robswebsite.com leave a comment tweet at us I am at Armstrong Terran Puya is at Puyaism as he mentioned and you now know the origin story of the Twitter handle so now it, it'll, it'll click in your head
1: Yes yes another Puyaism for you guys out there um subscribe and leave reviews for just the Terran show no other broadcast apparently <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you again, everyone, for listening. I will see you next time. Terrence asking questions. Terrence finding out. Terrence looking deeper. That's what it's all about. It's the Terrence Show. Showing you.